0: and we discuss some of the most vital issues facing veterans today. Join us for this episode of Veteran Voices. Hi everyone. Thank you for tuning in to Veteran Voices. I'm your host, Mary-Kate Saliva. Thank you so much for joining us today as we have an incredible veteran who is waiting soon to be coming on. I am going to start with a quick programming note first. This program is part of the Supply Chain Now family of programming. And I'm super excited to say that we are in partnership with Military Women's Collective. Shout out to my veteran sister, Marina Rabinick, who's a founder of Military Women's Collective. You can learn more about the incredible organization, the work that they're doing at militarywomenscollective.org. And of course, another partner of ours, a nonprofit very near and dear to my heart, is the Guam Human Rights Initiative, You can find more about the work that they're doing at GuamHRI.org. And shout out to all my veteran brothers and sisters out in the island of Guam, half a day. Also, today's show is also going to be tuning in with a Navy veteran. And I know that I've been interviewing a lot of incredible veterans as of late, but I was like, oh my goodness, so many of my veteran brothers coming on here. But I need to start bringing back some of my veteran sisters. So, I'm really excited to introduce our guest today. She's a Navy veteran. She, okay, I have to just tell y'all folks that she served in the Navy for four years, but she is also earned the title of Student Veteran of the Year with Student Veterans of America. She's on the board of directors for the Student Veterans of America. You can see her speaking, or maybe even chilling with the vice president at the White House, <laughs> and she also works with the Travis Manning Foundation as the Mid-Atlantic Region Regional Manager. I'm so excited to welcome Catherine Martinez. Thank you for joining me, Catherine. Hi,
1: Mary. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. You know, being a first-gen American, first-gen college student, and ESL learner, and being the only person in my family to serve active duty to be able to represent a lot in my community and amplify the voices. I'm just honored to be a part of Veteran Voices here today. Oh, thank you so much. I know it's like for for those who are tuning in Veteran Voices the first time, uh,
0: we're a podcast that likes to amplify the voices of veterans serving beyond the uniform. And Catherine, I think you're doing that. That's why I've been so excited to bring you on the show and just this opportunity to just learn more about you and how you got to where you are today. Because I think it's just incredible what you've accomplished in just a, a few years since you transitioned in 2019. But I wanted to kick the show off with some motivation and some, I don't know, I'm, you know, I'm Army, your Navy. I'm going to do it a little differently there, but some pump up some motivation. <laughs> so you can share with our listeners
1: a favorite motivational quote or lyric that you have. One of my favorite motivational quotes of all time is actually by John F. Kennedy. He said, one person can make a difference and everyone should try.
0: I love that. And that's an incredible call to action, right? And even though he said that decades ago, that still rings true today. And I think that you've just been an incredible, or I know for a fact, you've been an incredible ambassador for student veterans all across the United States. And whether they're serving abroad and going to school, I I just... Incredibly proud of you and the work that you're you've been doing, and you're still doing. You know you haven't stopped. And any of your listeners can can find you on LinkedIn and see that you you're wearing many hats right now. Um, I wanted to take the listeners back and get to know Catherine Martinez as a little girl, where and
1: learn more a little bit about where you grew up. So I actually grew up from Southern California. The city is called La Habra, but it's in, within Orange County. Uh, Mm. My parents are Guatemalan. So being a first gen, I'm actually the middle child, but I grew up speaking Spanish. And for anyone who grew up in a household that speaks more than one language, I was pretty much a translator growing up. Not only am I trying to learn Spanish and English, but also translating little bits and pieces during parent teacher conferences, or even as simple of a task of ordering pizza on the phone. Um, (laughs) But being a The only girl in my family, my Mm. sister wouldn't be born until 2006. I was like in the boys' club all the time. So I was being picked on and everything like that, but it gave me tough skin. And so growing up, I was super involved. I always loved helping out. Like even in high school, I was in NGROTC, which is the Navy Junior Reserve Officer Training Corps. And just being a part of a community has just meant so much to me because sometimes I feel like when you have, your specific intersections, you can get lost in trying to find your identity and who you want to be in this world. Oh, I I think that's fantastic. And
0: you mentioned about having thick skin and being tough, and I'm sure you you were able to carry that with you when you joined the navy. So, is it something as far as um, being the the middle child and that little the translation? Did you um, in school did you have any kind of inspiration as far as a pathway to the military?
1: Was there a JRTC or somebody who you met that's military? So growing up, I didn't, since I didn't really have somebody to look up to who served in the military, knowing my family had served active duty before. However, after 9-11 happened, I grew up every year in elementary school, middle school, high school. Afterwards, um, we would always have a special ceremony to honor the lives of those who perished in 9-11 and just learning more about United States history. It's like, well, what can I do? And what really like pushed me forward was NJROTC, having the opportunity to wear the uniform, have pride behind it because we'd had uniform inspections and getting the opportunity to go to air shows and attend special like presentations where you have high-ranking officers pretty much giving you motivational speaking presentations. And it ju- it just struck me a certain kind of way. So by the time I hit my senior year in high school, I was just like, you know what? This is what I want to do. This is how I'm going to give back. After growing up and seeing so many people make sacrifices for myself and those around me, and I think that I
0: I love that that piece there that you were you were inspired by something as as simple as the school putting on an, an annual. A uh, remembrance ceremony and just being able to teach that because I remember that as well in school and we had the American flag in each of the classrooms and just getting that opportunity to hear their names and the cert- sacrifice that they made. And So I love what you said about um, being part of JROTC as well. I was also in JROTC in in high school and I uh, remember the the uniform inspections and the competitions that we would do. Um, was there sort of a would you say a lesson learned that you you have from that time? Um, you know, in high school, I'll say.
1: When you say a lesson, like something that I like hold to me now, or like a leadership kind of learning
0: experience. I say lesson
1: learned. I think from uh,
0: from your GRT, your time in GRTC.
1: What I learned from being an NGRTC is the importance of being honest with those around you. If you're having a hard time, or you need help, or don't understand something, it's better to say something. Right away versus waiting till the last second. Um, part of NJRTC, some of the competitions we had in, include rifle spinning. And I was just mm-hmm. excited to finally be on the rifle spinning team because it's very competitive to get on there. But there was just a move I couldn't get. I would just always hit the butt of the rifle on like what people call the funny bone, and it would hurt. Yeah, <laughs> it just seemed to happen every single time. And rather than um, ask for help, I would just kind of try to figure it out on my own until so we were doing our run throughs before our competition that weekend. And they are like, hey, you're not getting it. Like, what's going on? You can do everything but this part. And I was like, well, I've never been able to get this part. So the heart, uh, it was decided for the best for that specific competition that because I kept having that issue, I didn't compete that weekend. I would go on to compete in other contests. But that was a lesson learned for me. Like, Hey, just ask, like, it's not going to hurt you, even though it really mm-hmm. physically did <laughs> to, <laughs> to just reach out for help and someone who could show you something that can just be an easy fix. And in my case, it was just tucking my elbow a little bit more, which made all the difference. So that was a lesson learned that I took right away. <laughs>
0: No, it's great. And I don't, I, I don't think I've seen you spin any rifles as of late. So uh, for your SBA family tuning in, uh, perhaps they can get you to do a demonstration. Oh my goodness. I did it too. And I, and it is uh, no easy feat. And I think just the the weight of the rifle and just learning, learning the way that it spins and the way that your body has to move or what position it has to be in to, to create a certain momentum is something. Yep. I, I never thought of the lessons learned that can be pulled from that. But even if you have your individual skill sets, but then collectively bringing that as a team because you have to be very synchronized, right? In those competitions. So yeah, <laughs> gosh. And, and I may or may not have dropped a couple on my f- uh, foot then at that time. Um, I really wanted to to get into the, the transition piece as well because your influence from NGRTC And being a part of a team and having that influence, um, you know, is I'm I'm just imagining like senior senior year of high school. Was this something that a recruiter came to school or did you end up joining the Navy right away? Or did you have that thing? I'm going to go to college first for a bit.
1: I joined at 20, actually. So I graduated high school at 17. So there was a few years and. The reason I didn't join right away is because we did have recruiters and everything like that. I had seen people go before me and mm-hmm. I was just like, I don't know if I want to be gone all the time. You know, even though right. I mentioned earlier that like desire to want to get back to the community, um, it really didn't hit me until like I was in my college work. I was focusing on business administration at the time. I was like, this isn't what's making me happy. I had that desire to give back to the community and want to do more. And what better way to do that, but just to serve. So was sitting in an accounting class and was like, you know what? Next semester, I'm going to be in the Navy. And I did. <laughs> it was spring semester. And then that summer, I just pushed to really push to meet the requirements and then swore in July and left in November. <laughs> Oh, wow. And, and gosh, what
0: was it? What was that like, like going to getting shipped off to basic training as, and you're a little bit older than probably some of these 18 year olds coming straight in? Honestly,
1: my, my group, there was a lot of people that were my age. So I felt like, very comfortable. However, hmm. I did go to Great Lakes during the winter. And that was a choice. <laughs> I was I gonna had- say, did you make that choice? It sounds like a, a not a good choice. <laughs> I didn't know. So I was just like, you know what, I should get used to leaving and not being there for holidays. So I thought it was genius. Why not prepare myself by going on like the first big holiday, which was like Thanksgiving. Um, it, I had experienced negative degree weather for the first time in my life because growing in <laughs> Cal- growing up in Southern California, we didn't have negative weather. So it was quite the experience for sure. <laughs> I'm like, did you end up seeing snow for the first time? It was not the first time I've seen a snow, but it was the first time I had experienced black ice, if you catch my drift. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. And that's the
0: thing with, you know, of all times to go and for all reasons, for your your initial training, where you have people yelling at you and you're having to be outside (laughs) with like early before the sun rises. Goodness. So I just, um, am just (laughs) imagining you doing that, but you're resilient. You're tough. Like you said, thick skin from your, uh, learning from your siblings growing up. Um, so wanted to, to also ask about that, that time early on in your career, did you know when you were in the Navy, like, did you have different options you're choosing from as far as
1: a job goes, or were you kind of dead set? This is what I want to do in the Navy. So thankfully, I had a high ASVAB test score. So I had plenty of options when I went. Um, But ultimately, I had three different types of rating descriptions in front of me. And they're like, this one, you stay in Great Lakes afterwards. This one, you stay in Great Lakes afterwards. This one, you get to go back to San Diego. And I was just like, absolutely, I'm picking the one where I get to go back to San Diego. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) you're like cold cold not cold (laughs) exactly exactly so um took the four-year sonar technician surface contract and was didn't even know what it really did honestly like I said I was focusing on where my school was going to be because I was like I can deal with being in another state for a couple months but that was just like my leeway in um but yeah I picked the sonar technician Plus, they have a cool rating badge. Sonar technicians' surface rating badge is a pair of headphones with an arrow through it. So that was also something that appealed to me.
0: <laughs> I think you're the first one that said that the way, because you know, thinking army, I'm like, I don't know, if I've met anybody that went off the patch, but that's a good, <laughs> that's a valid point. You know, I guess with the Marines, like they have the the really nice sharp uniform. So I know some people are like, yeah, it was the uniform for me, but yours is the, the rating patch. Headphones. I love that, yeah. And the the headphones with an arrow through it. I'm just thinking, like Three Stooges or something, where it's like one of those hats that looks like you got shot in the head with an arrow. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's, that's a different uh, picture for me. Well, for sure. um, but gosh, it was sonar technician. Um, and and how long's this the school training for that?
1: So there's um differences. So if you're a six year sonar technician, you would actually stay in Great Lakes a little bit longer to get um a mm-hmm. little bit more background. But for Sonar Technician A school, I believe it was around um, nine weeks for like initial coursework and then a couple of weeks more for um, ops, which is a more specific course. And then you get sent out to the fleet.
0: So, well, I am think it was a smart decision. I would have probably made the same going to San Diego. But I also know that San Diego is an ex- extremely large base. Uh, comparatively to if you had stayed in um, Great Lakes. So was that kind of a, a shock for you going to San Diego in such a,
1: a big location? So San Diego is big and there are a lot of naval bases there. However, Sonar Technician School is on a smaller base um, in Loma. And yeah, you can walk the radius very fast because I think the radius is like around like two miles, I think. It's very small. It was it was very really small. small <laughs> <laughs> That's really small.
0: Um, so, and, and then, so did you end up um, facing any, any challenges then at that time from school, from your schooling or your first duty station, I should say, at San Diego?
1: So in the schoolhouse, I had to learn how to, I've always been a learner that was fast I could hold information well, but the pace we were going at and the numbers that we had to remember, because we would have to remember frequency hertz. So Mm -hmm. in order to identify different submarines, torpedoes, biologics like whales, dolphins, um, surface, other surface ships, like even the supply ships, you know, like we have to know Mm -hmm. what they sound like too. So it's all these different types of things that could be underwater and then learning how... Sound is impacted by being underwater. It's just a lot to retain because I've never had to learn something like that before. Because I've always been like, here's a book. Describe like the plot and what happened. Like, what was the right. lesson in the book? Or, you know, here's some math equations. Like, do this, or here, take an analysis of this. But here it's, hey, we need you to remember that, remember these so you can recall it. So if it's in real time, you're not flipping the pages through a book. You're like, hey. I think it's this because of X, Y, and Z because of that memorization. No, I, I, I don't know why,
0: but if you've seen Finding Nemo, it's like the thing I'm thinking of is, do you speak whale? And <laughs> which is like Dory's just asking Nemo, like, do you speak whale? Or is it the other way around? But you know what I mean? And just being able, like, the sounds that she makes to be able to speak well, I will spare everybody's ears in trying to attempt that myself. But that's really what I'm thinking. But it does sound, it actually sounds pretty badass what you're doing because it does, it just imagining to put your your mind in the way that your learning style was in high school and the way that you have always learned. And now you're really challenging. I imagine the mental exhaustion of that is pretty taxing to try to,
1: it's it's a whole new language that you're learning, essentially. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It pretty much was learning like another language, but I'm grateful that I'm an English second language learner because when you're learning another language, you find the tricks and nuances to make it easier for yourself. So I was able to find patterns and be like, okay, this is this, this is what this is called. And just find those patterns similar to when I was trying to learn how to speak English was the same like phonetic patterns when you're trying to learn how to enunciate a word for the first time. So I would try to find patterns within these numbers and like make little categories to make it easier for myself. Oh, that's gosh. And I think in like hieroglyphics or you
0: see people looking at (laughs) symbols, but I think it's important to, to highlight that you recognize patterns Because that is, I've taken the DLPT for languages before and it just looks like a, sounds like a caveman language, like just a bunch of sounds and noises that don't make any sense, not part of a phonetic alphabet, but being able to recognize those patterns and and placements of different sounds is really interesting to me. So I'm definitely going to get now into your first,
1: uh, with, with your first team, or I should say once you graduated, where did you end up going? So I got stationed aboard the USS Winston S. Churchill, which is DDG-81, and that's how I ended up in Norfolk, Virginia. <laughs> okay, well, Can you pronounce what you just said? Where did, where did is it wrong? Us? Norfolk, Virginia. <laughs> no, no, no. Before that, you said the name of the, what, what was the name of the ship? Oh, DDG-81, the USS Winston S. Churchill. Oh, Winston S. Churchill. I don't know.
0: I heard it as one long thing. It sounded like a whole different word I'd never heard of before, so... I do know that Winston <laughs> Churchill. Oh, gosh, in Norfolk. So you went from one, I know you said it was like a little piece of San Diego. But again, I, I guess thinking Army in San Diego is huge. Norfolk's huge is massive for the Navy. So how, how was that? Was that a culture shock? Now you're East Coast where it's cold again. <laughs> so <laughs> What time of year did you move? Now I'm thinking of the the weather. (laughs) Yeah, you know,
1: I just seem to get to places at the best time of year. I got to Norfolk in January 2017, and I drove across the country. So driving in snow, I will tell you, is a task within itself. But relying on others to know how to drive in snow is just as much as a task but surprisingly enough, when I got here it was the first time Hampton Roads had closed like several roads in years because of how bad the slick was. So it was mm-hmm. quite a journey because I remember finally getting to the base and asking the gate guard, hey, do you know our Pier So I can't remember the number, but whatever Pier number it was. And he's like, uh, I think it's somewhere over there. And he points in this general direction. And I was like, I've never been here before. He's like, oh, I've only been here for a month. So we're both like, <laughs> I don't know where i And my Lost. sponsor, no cell phone reception. So I'm there to, like, to my own devices trying to figure it out. <laughs> So one thing with the Navy, I feel like there's never any,
0: any cell connection to like whatever you all are doing, like the scanners, are like blocking all cell service because everything is just metal and, and like these, this, yeah, massive device, massive equipment, massive ships everywhere. Um, I've navigated and there's just so many exits even on that road of just Norfolk exits, um, or, um, that you're passing by. So um, as far as your so the first person you end up asking, he's also lost. Yeah. Uh, did you end up coming across anybody
1: that was able to take you under their wing and show you the ropes? So what's that? I figured out how to get to my ship eventually because I was just like, if I keep my driving, so. I'm bound to see something that says "pierce something" and then just she naturally just smoke signals. Right. So <laughs> yeah, once the- smoke signals up, like or a flare. It's like I'm here no honestly I don't that'd be funny but also not kind of funny because <laughs> they'd be like where is that coming from but uh once I got to my ship I was very blessed to have a division that was very welcoming like um I had stg2 mcneil I had sg1 moss who is now chief moss um but my sponsor was stg2 Sesums at the time and they were just all so warm and welcoming to me they're like hey like." This is where your birthing's going to be. There's not a lot of women in the Sonar Tech rating, but oh, there's, yeah. So they were just like, hey, like your birthing's going to be right here. Because um, we did have sg 2 Sackett, who was grateful for, because she was the only other female at the time. And she's like, hey, this is where your rag's going to be. Like, showed me the ropes in that matter. But uh, navigating how to get through the scuttle for the first time, which is like a little hole and like just kind of go down and everything was <laughs> unique. No. Because uh, I have really bad depth perception too. And oh no. So, <laughs> <I'm laughs> like, if I going to go <laughs> hit my head? Who knows? But uh, I had a great experience with my division, made me feel right at home. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I want to touch on that. What you said about there not
0: being that many women, and there was only one other woman um, at the time of your division. What? Why do you think that is, is as far yeah. as not having that many women?
1: So the Sonar Tech rating actually hadn't been open up to women for a very long time. Like while I was at my schoolhouse, I felt I met some of the first senior enlisted females within my rating, like the first senior chiefs and master chief. Wow. it's um, pretty cool. I love that, honestly. Like yeah. the legacies, I call them the pioneers. <laughs> yeah. The trailblazers. And- Yeah. And so to look at them and see how far they've come. And I think because it's still a newer rating, it's why. But while I was at school, I did see a lot of women there. It's just that, you know, since it's a small rating, it's like kind of like a small world, like you see them, but you have to spread them out. (laughs) For the most part, you're more likely to run into an all male uh, division versus an all female one. So I was just grateful there was another female in my division.
0: Well, well, I I think that that means something, you know, and I've, I've had that before tears show up to, we call them like our units on the army side of the house and show up to the unit. And there's like part, there's maybe one other woman that's got the same uh, MOS same job as me. Um, but yeah, it's just really interesting. I, I like to do that as far as thinking why that is, but I also think it's a very cool time as a, a woman to serve because those who we call the pioneers, the trailblazers, the, the first to do things are still around. You know, we can, they're not something that we're just reading, people that we're just reading about in a history book. Like these are women that are still around and we can reach out to them and talk to them. And And I think it's incredible, like you said, to learn from how far they've come. A true testament there. Um, so as far as, you mentioned earlier about the,
1: is it SG2? SG2, uh, yeah, the rate is sg um, that's sonar technician service. And then the two part is petty officer, second class. So just combine the two SGG two.
0: Like y'all are, I was like, what are these letters just <laughs> putting together? I know this so is trying to, trying to follow. See again, like Army, Navy, we're speaking, we're like, how can we make it vastly different? So we're speaking a completely different language. Um, again, on the topic of languages, <laughs> uh, but so I want to get into your uh transition because I think it's interesting about, you know, we talk about why you served and having in in that time as young Catherine Martinez looking at the influence of of just 9-11 and the service and sacrifice. But I think why people stay is sometimes is oftentimes a different reason than why we join in the first place. And and you served uh four years active service and just want to kind of if you could take us through that
1: kind of process as to what made you decide
0: this is time for me to, to get out.
1: So, um, a unique part of my story is I unfortunately didn't have the choice. I was injured in the line of duty while stationed mm-hmm. aboard my ship. I fell off of a vertical ladder well, and due to lack of proper treatment, um, I was the sufferer of those consequences. Um, long story short, I, I, even though I got injured, I wouldn't get any medical diagnostic screening for said injury until 11 months after my initial accident. And so, um, you know, there are instructions when it comes to being limited duty and all those things, but because I didn't have the time, I was just a matter of circumstance. I loved my time in would have continued serving if I had the choice to, but since I didn't, I wanted to be prepared as possible, but also make it so others, in my shoes wouldn't have to experience exactly what I had to because there's someone in your corner saying like, Hey, I've been there. Here's some advice I have for you. So you don't have to have it as hard as I did. I know. And I,
0: and I still see you doing that now, just advocating for veterans and ensuring that they're not having to go through because 11 months after for your initial screens, just unacceptable that you had to wait that long. And that's sometimes even just for an initial, you need that diagnosis and, and to be able to plan that treatment of care, both physically, but also um, mentally as well. Just the fact of what we go through when we realize that we are going to get pushed out for medical reasons. So I thank you for sharing that that piece. Um, as far as what when you were transitioning, did you find that even though you weren't getting the support on the, the medical side, was there anybody there to help you through the transition process in general?
1: So I started my journey with student Veterans of America while I was still active duty. Once I got my out date, it would be October 29, 2019. Um, I was like, cool, I can start going back to school. And I enrolled at Tidewater Community College in Chesapeake, Virginia and was introduced to Student Veterans of America by their veterans liaison. And she's like, hey, like they help veterans like in higher ed. And since my pathway was higher ed, um, SVA was that leeway in for me. But I will be honest, I didn't think I was a veteran because I'm getting out because of an injury. I didn't technically like do my full obligation, like the IRR portion of my contract. So it was hard for me to accept that I could be a part of an organization that said veteran when uh, everybody has different connotations of what is a veteran. But at the time, I didn't feel like one and wouldn't feel like one until I went to NatCon 2020. And Jared Lyon, who's the CEO and president, he's like, hey, we had a short conversation because obviously everyone wants to talk to Jared. But uh, he let me know like, hey, you are a veteran and you belong in this space. And that's what made me feel more comfortable being a part of SVA and really um, embrace my veteran status and get prepared for that next part of life, which is transitioning from military to civilian.
0: Uh, It's like you almost like making my eyes water because I've, (laughs) you know, I've met Jared before and um, those words that he said to you are so true. Like we're just so I know I, I don't speak alone to just say how proud we are of you and that you are a veteran and you do belong in this space. And you've done so much to, and you've accomplished so much And this is the last few years. Like you said, you transitioned in 2019 without any help. You wanted to continue serving and it wasn't your fault why you were pushed out and the treatment that you received was unacceptable. But I am so grateful that Student Veterans America took you under their wing and gave you that spark that, you know, is now a flaming fire that's not going to go out anytime soon. You're literally blazing another trail um and i can say that even uh, my time in student Vets of america cuz i came off the of active of duty after you in 2021 um and seeing your journey and seeing like i need to do more like i need to do more to rally up my rsva at at uh, st leo university my university is was kind of dwindling down and we were trying to reignite it so having that inspiration to see like how far you've come has has been incredible but you're totally part of this fam, Catherine, and you, we're not
1: going to let you go anywhere. <laughs> uh, it means a so lot to hear you say that, honestly. Um, like I said, I didn't view myself being in this position back in 2019 because I was still navigating, where am I going to go? What's next from here? And it just means a lot to hear you say that, but can't say enough to others, like, hey, like, don't be afraid to, like, reach out and say, like, hey. Do you have any advice? Can you help me with this? Do you know someone who's been something similar of what I have? Being able to make those bridges and connections to just bring each other up just makes all the difference, honestly. Yeah,
0: and I can can understand why you would have felt that way to not identify. But the reality is that we were still at a time of war when you raised your right hand. Our country was still at a time of war and you chose to serve Regardless of knowing that, you know, and and regardless of knowing like where you could have been sent off or what could have happened, and you know, and and that alone to me, I you know, it's just one of us, you know, (laughs) you're just chanting one of us, one of us. But I think with as far as your transition piece goes, um, I've heard it so many times from other veterans, and I wonder if you feel this way too that we're in a constant state of transition. Uh, do, Do you feel that way that you you're still transitioning?
1: I absolutely do. So um when I went on terminal leave, I started work as a government contractor, did that for two years, and then was a federal employee under the Department of the Navy for a year. And then now I'm working in the nonprofit sector, which is totally different from the previous thing. So mm-hmm. I feel like it's constant transition in terms of career, but also of education and where you're going next. It's I agree with that sentiment fullheartedly.
0: Uh, I think that we're we're very hard on ourselves, right? As veterans or even student veterans, we're, we're hard on ourselves, think we should have been doing more by this point in our life, or we should be doing more. And so I, I think it's like every veteran is like wearing multiple hats. And you we talked earlier about your business cards. So you said you haven't had the business cards made because you're like, what title do I put on my business card? Because <laughs> you have so many titles right now, but it's inc- i mean, those are fantastic titles, and and the fact that you still that you work with the Travis Manning Foundation—it just goes to show that even though you didn't identify as a veteran then, like, look how much you are doing to give back to veterans in your full-time job in your role board of board directors at SVA. Um, and I'd love for you to to touch on how you went about earning the title of Student Veteran of the Year, because for those that don't know, there are thousands. <laughs> of student veterans nationwide. And Catherine here is, is wearing the crown.
1: So, Honestly, um, it was a lot of work, but I'll tell you that um, the premise behind it is I do what I do because I love what I do. Mm-hmm. It, my stemming from winning the 2021 Student Veteran of the Year goes back to 2020 a little bit because um, I was at a hard part in my life. I decided to end an 11-year relationship, And being in a relationship that long from the ages of 14 to 25, that person was a part of my identity. So I was like, who is Catherine? Who is she gonna be? Who what direction is she headed in now? Because all my future plans involve this person. So I felt lost as anybody would. And I just, you know, natural, like felt upset, didn't feel like I belonged anywhere because again, that was a big part of my identity, even though I was Catherine. I also was this other person with this person. And so um, Dr. Abby Kinch from SVA, she sent a reminder email like saying like, hey, we're still accepting applications for the Leadership Institute. And normally I wouldn't respond to mass emails, but I was just like, (laughs) Abby, I really appreciate you like thinking of me and like sending this out, but I don't think I deserve it. And I remember her calling and she's all like, you do deserve this. Like, what are you talking about? And it was a very like brief conversation, but her words stuck with me. So um, even though I felt pretty low um, at the time, I used uh, Snapchat. So I felt very insecure with how I looked. Also used a filtered video thing, made the video on what it meant to me to go to Leadership Institute, posted it on LinkedIn. Was I happy about how it looked. It didn't look professional, but I was like, no, but did I feel like I got my message across? Yes. So I just hoped for the best. And then I got notified that I was accepted for Leadership Institute. And this would be virtual. That would take place all throughout the month of November. Mm -hmm. And I got to be mentored by Kate Logan and Jonathan. And it just meant so much to me to learn from them because I told them my circumstance. I'm like, Hey, this is what I'm going through right now. And they're all like, Hey, like you're okay. Like we don't see you anything different. We see you as you and a part of SVA's leadership Institute is honing in on your brand and who you are. So the past couple of weeks, we're doing assignments. We're getting to know like who we want to become within our communities and what type of environment we want to foster and then I did make like pretty much my best friend now. His name is Cameron Zabakowski. He's now part of the program team of SBA, but back then we we're just both chapter leaders. Um, but he was, uh, when I was just like struggling or would space out, he in our little Zoom chat thing, he'd be like, Hey, are you okay? Like he just like check in on me and then pretty much made it to the finish line because my mentors, And my now best friend, he would they all just would be like, hey, you are valid, like you are here, like you are deserving of this, those reminders that I needed at the time. And by the time I graduated, I fully grasped like I am a leader and I want I'm somebody who wants to continue serving after service. Mm -hmm. So all of 2021, I became very intentional about what I was doing, who I was working with and what I wanted these to mean. And a big part of that is the Travis Manning Foundation. They have Mm -hmm. several programming, like Character Does Matter and the Operation Legacy Project. And being a Character Does Matter mentor and organizing Operation Legacy Projects was very much a part of my 2021 year of being intentional and what I want to do in the community. Their ethos is if not me, then who? So even when I was like feeling tired or felt like I should stop, that quote, of if not me, then who just kept with me and was a message I wanted to share with others within my lines of work. Yeah, because, absolutely. Yeah, so working with projects with Travis Manning Foundation, continuing my work with SVA in that 2021 year, I actually became the first female president at Wilhelmin University History for being wow. in charge of So I just kept really pushing it. Um, and so I just wanted to be something that other people could resonate with. I'm very realistic and um, vulnerable in sharing my story with others. So um, just kept doing the work throughout 2021. And I was actually getting ready. Um, ODU, our SBA chapter, does something very unique. We have like pretty much an all branches ball at the end of the year where we celebrate and recognize the work of all of our student veterans. That includes like veterans, active duty, reservists, military spouses, and children, anyone who is involved with our chapter. We celebrate the work that they've done all year long. And I was getting ready for it. I'm scrambling everywhere because I had to get there early to set up. And I get a call from the programs team letting me know I was selected as a finalist. And that just meant everything to me because I was like, oh, man, one year ago, I wasn't in the same place mm-hmm. at all. I was I was just like, um, I was not in the best of places emotionally. So to come a year later, and this is where I'm at, um, being named a finalist, I felt I already won. So um NACON's 2022 theme would be SVA has soul, which stands for Service, Opportunity, Unity, and Leadership. And because I think my story fits so well with the theme, was why I won. I will truly never understand why, because I went into thinking it. I already won being named a finalist. If I won overall, uh, I didn't think I was going to win. I didn't even have a speech ready. I thought a very good friend of mine who was also a finalist was going to win. Um, we still are very close. Uh, Fatima, if you watch this, hi. <laughs> but <laughs> Fatima Sidori is amazing. And I thought she was going to win. And she knows that I thought that highly of her. But um, that's not to say all the other finalists weren't deserving to be named top 10 in the entire country is absolutely amazing. Like Tiana Pantovich, Alex Ortiz, mm-hmm. Judy, like all these, um, Stephen Westby, all these people are amazing and do amazing work within the communities that they're a part of. And it's I'm so glad I have nothing to do with the decision-making of Student Veteran of the Year because it's so hard when you really look at what these veterans are doing. And that's just who these finalists are. Imagine looking at all the work that all these passionate student veterans are doing every single day to make a difference on campus and their communities. But uh, Mm -hmm. I will never be able, truly able to say, like, this is the defined reason why I think I won. I just think it's a culmination of my story um, that... Made it possible for me, but I couldn't be more humbled and grateful to have been able to represent uh, SVA and student veterans across the country. And then this past, uh, earlier this month, I got to pass on the torch to the 2022 winner, and it's just yes, like it's a did. beautiful, and amazing feeling. <laughs> well, it's such an honor to to have been in the audience because I remember even like the Toy Story
0: soldiers that they had brought out and. <laughs> <laughs> the little little green toy soldiers um, from Andy's room, <laughs> Toy Story, um, came up on the stage. But I, it was so great to see you uh, to to take that title, as, and you can have continued to advocate for others and to continue sharing your story and being that vulnerable. Because um, even even sharing the relationship challenges, that's that's the vulnerability and something that. We wouldn't know, you know, if you didn't give us a glimpse into that, into your, into your personal life, but there's so much more that's going on behind the scenes. A lot of times with, with any veteran or anybody who's, who's serving or transitioning, that there's things going on at home life that absolutely impacts, because I think mean, we're ingrained in us, right. That we are a, we're a soldier 24 seven, we're a sailor 24 seven, you know, an airman or, or whatever it is what branch who served is that, that sense of service is like, that doesn't We don't hang that up. You know, it's like that's still innately in us somehow. But I was so proud of you when you got up there and you won and you're a great public speaker. And I can just see that SVA is going to see Veterans America are going to amplify your voice for years to come in your story. You've overcome so much. Um, I wanted to just, you know, for our listeners about what's next for you, what what do you got going on or
1: what's next? Um, I recently took on the role of being the Mid-Atlantic Region Manager which you're with the Travis Manning Foundation. So I'm very excited to work with Gold Star families, veterans, and transitioning service members within mm-hmm. the region. Um, but other than that, I'm very excited. I'll be graduating from the Mission Continues Women Veterans Leadership Program. Um, I'm part of their fifth cohort for any female vets out there. The application window for the next cohort opens soon. So look out for that. It's a beautiful program to be a part of and really embrace that sisterhood part of being surrounded by your fellow female vets. And then otherwise, I'm just really excited to um, be supportive of initiatives of my fellow veterans. Um, The Global War on Terrorism Memorial Foundation will be making updates throughout the year as well. Um, Michael, Rob Rodriguez, who is the CEO and president, just made a recent update, which is available on LinkedIn. But mm-hmm. um, I'll be hopefully starting grad school in the fall and then <laughs> really. really hoping to hone in on diversifying medical research to be inclusive of people of color and women and other underrepresented minority groups, because mm-hmm. I believe that because of the lack of inclusion, it leads to delayed diagnosis. So really just hoping in to further my education there, but being involved in my community by still volunteering and then just learning my new role. I love it. And I
0: can just see you've got like this light just surrounding you that you're ready to take on 2023. I'm very excited for you. Um, You were you were doing you went you got to go to the White House. Right. And you got to do the Black Rifle Coffee Company's uh, Veteran Highlight. Yeah. How were how those? Was your
1: just your heart racing and beating out of your chest? Oh, man. So I had the unique opportunity to attend the White House Veterans Day breakfast. And, you know, um, being able people go on White House tours, all the ropes are up. This is a unique circumstance, but that is not the case. And to be able to walk in and people are like, oh, who are you trying to get to know you? And you're amongst some of the most powerful people within the veteran space aiming to make a difference, whether it's in the uh, policy space, whether it's uh, medical accessibility, higher education accessibility, making it for expansion in job opportunities, like expanding the skill bridge program to include spouses, um, all the different branches represented. It, I feel so honored to be considered a person that belongs in that room with other people. Um, And then I got to meet the vice president, the second gentleman, and the first lady. And it's just an unreal experience to be able to shake their hand, them kind of like, I know they're briefed, but (laughs) they know your name, (laughs) but also have an opportunity of a brief exchange of like, hello, how are you? Like, what are you, um, can you tell us something about yourself that most people wouldn't know about you? Um, it was, I'm sure it was their day.
0: best meeting of the day. I get, <laughs> Catherine, I bet you were a breath of fresh air to the first lady and second gentleman <laughs> and vice president Harris. I bet it was just, you know, you're, you, you have like a life that you just naturally have, but I, I think for them with all the other stuff that they do with, I'm sure it was a breath of fresh air to meet you. And they're lucky to meet you as opposed to, I know the other way around, I'm sure you're thinking, um, and then the Black Rifle Coffee
1: Company, you were also invited to go on to what football field? So it's FedEx Field, home of the Washington Commanders. So got to be the veteran of the game, sponsored by Black Rifle Coffee. I was nominated by Travis Manning Foundation, and it was so cool. I got it on the game. Uh, on the field experience before the game started and then during the second quarter. So it was just so cool to be able to have that experience. (laughs) Also they revealed their mascot that day. So that was pretty cool as well.
0: Yeah. You're like literally there as history was in the making (laughs) and you're continuing to make history yourself. Um, Did you have any, any last words as we, we close up our interview today? I know I could talk to you all day, um, but do you have any sort of knowledge share that you want to drop to any of our
1: brothers and sisters that are transitioning right now? To anybody that's looking to get help, ask for help, because mm-hmm. I know it's a hard thing to do. But what I can promise you is that there are so many veteran con- interconnected networks That if one person doesn't know, they know somebody that might be able to help you further. Or if they don't know, they'll keep connecting you until we get you to the right person to speak with. Whether it's education assistance, job assistance, assistance getting medical care for your children or your spouse. There's so many opportunities to succeed and we just want to help you get there. So just don't be afraid to reach out. And other than that, Mary, thank you so much for having me. It's been such a pleasure to also watch your journey via LinkedIn and to finally share a conversation with you. is just an honor and a privilege in of itself. Thank you. I
0: You took the words out of my mouth. It's, I'm just honestly honored to, you know, as someone who, was president of my SVA this past year, but I, re- I recognize that Ms many of the student veterans in my chapter are also online students. So again, we talked about navigating that remote space, and as they call this new normal um, post-COVID, there's still so many student veterans and veterans out there that are needing support and just need to navigate where to start. And I get that question all the time, is just where do I start? But you said there's those of us who've been there before, and we're still transitioning even a few years later. So be easy, you know. Don't be so hard on yourselves, our listeners who are in transition, and even if you've been out for a while and you want to pivot, um, you know. Please reach out to Catherine. Catherine, how can they? What's the best way for them to get a hold of you if they want to pick your brain and learn some more? LinkedIn. LinkedIn is me. Yes, and that's. Catherine Martinez, so K-A-T-H-E-R-I-N-E. That's the same way I spell my middle name, Catherine, best way. And then Martinez, M-A-R-T-I-N-E-Z on LinkedIn, Catherine Martinez. So thank you, Catherine, for joining me again on Veteran Voices, where we amplify the voices of veterans serving beyond the uniform on behalf of the entire team, I want to say thank you to all our listeners and subscribers. We invite you to join and tune in on Veteran Voices wherever you get your podcasts from, and check out our partners again at the Guam Human Rights Initiative at guamhri.org and our great partners at the Military Women's Collective militarywomen'scollective.org. So this is Mary Kate Saliva, wishing you all well. Do good. Pay it forward and be the change that's needed right now. So on that note, we'll see you next time. Take care, everybody.